Playoffs, playoffs, turn up, playoffs. Cinco, cuatro, tres, dos, uno. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of The Cool Zone. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Cool Zone Pod. Slide in those DMs. Let us know what you want to hear aside from what we always prepare to you every Monday night. Today is March 1st. March is finally here. Feels like it's been forever since the last time we were in March. And uh, I'm sure, actually, when we get to March 15th, was it the 13th that was the day that the NBA was officially suspended? Yes, I, I'll go back and check. It's either the 13th or the 11th. Uh, mm. uh, well, well, one of these episodes we'll have to do... A, 13th, yeah, 13th. We'll have to do a reminisce on uh, what that the whole week that went down where everything was shut down because of Rudy Gobert, which I still blame him for. Probably that's the main reason why I hate him for. But regardless, today is March 1st, 2021. Obviously a Monday night here in the cool zone. I'm alongside Jonathan Sullivan per usual. No producer DS tonight. He has uh, other obligations halting him from joining us tonight. And no guests on today's show. We're going back to our roots. Just the two of us here in the studio. Got a little different setup. We got everything all digital now. No more pen and paper. We are ready to go. Uh, we got some stuff to talk about, especially All-Star Game coming up this Sunday. Uh, we mentioned last week we talked about the starters that were announced. And, of course, literally the day after we recorded last week, uh, they announced the reserve. So we could go through that, talk about whether we were surprised, uh, whether people were snubbed, and uh, everything going on also with the Skills Challenge dunk contest and three-point contest, which is almost nothing. But there's some things that were announced already. So with that being said, let's jump into some of this week's headlines. This is the most recent news that came out earlier this afternoon. The Atlanta Hawks have fired their coach, Lloyd Pierce, I believe. I didn't butcher his last name. Um, Not that I would butcher Pierce, but I thought it was a different last name. Regardless, uh, Nate McMillan has been offered the job to take over, so there should be no outcry about that. Nate McMillan, of course, uh, was a coach in Indiana for a while until he got let go. So he's very qualified for the job. So hopefully he takes that, and I'm sure he will without any question. Um, He's been very loyal to Lloyd Pierce and the Atlanta Hawks, so I would imagine that would be a smooth transition. Hawks have lost 11 of their last 15 games after starting 10 and 9. 10-9, not great, but I mean, better than being 11 uh, or 4 and 15, whatever it is. So Um, Also, the Raptors and Bulls just had their game postponed due to worsening COVID systems and uh, worsening COVID problems in Toronto. I'm trying to talk too fast here. So the Raptors have some stuff to figure out. Looks like Pascal Siakam probably won't see the court and possibly the whole entire Raptors team might not see the court until the all-star break finishes up. Speaking of people who aren't going to see the all-star break even happen or any games before, Kevin Durant is also out all the way through that, so we'll have to wait till after the All-Star break to see KD back in action. Also in the news, Victor Oladipo has turned down a two-year extension with the Houston Rockets worth $45 million, really showing that Victor Oladipo is looking forward to free agency, and John Wall shooting like one of 16 or whatever last night is certainly not making his uh, hopes of, (laughs) or his chances of sticking around in Houston any higher, so... Um, All right, so let's talk about some All-Star Weekend headlines. So the reserves just got announced. 
uh, last Tuesday. So let's take a look at some of the people that were announced to this squad. Over in the Eastern Conference, you have Jason Tatum, who will be replacing Kevin Durant in the starting lineup. So Jason Tatum gets his first career start in the All-Star game. This is his second All-Star appearance. Making his first All-Star appearance is his also his teammate, Jalen Brown. Happy to see those boys in the All-Star game together. Of course, they're both averaging pretty much 25 points and 4 assists. Tatum with a slight uptick in rebounds. But these guys, no doubt, are All-Stars. Jalen Brown having a fantastic season, even though the Celtics are pretty much awful. Also, no surprises with James Harden making his ninth All-Star game appearance. Zach Levine joining the All-Star game for the first time for the Chicago Bulls, averaging 29 points, 5 assists, and 5 rebounds. And Julius Randle will join that first-time All-Star crew from the New York Knicks. He is averaging a career-high 23 points per game, throwing in almost 11 rebounds a game and 5 assists. This guy has been a triple-double machine, not the Westbrook level, but a pretty high level of triple-doubles for him this year. Ben Simmons will also make the All-Star game with his third appearance. Nikola Vucevic will make his second appearance. And DeMontis Sabonis will replace the injured Kevin Durant and make his second appearance in the All-Star game. He is averaging 21 points, 11 rebounds, and almost 6 assists. Obviously, Doc Rivers will coach that team, being that the 76ers are the top seed in the Eastern Conference. All right, so I guess we'll pause here for a second. Um, I wanted to bring this up. So the reports that came out that Jimmy Butler... Uh, apparently was offered an all-star spot. We assume the spot that Sabonis now is holding. Uh, But he refused it because Bam Abadayo was not selected to the all-star team. So that is what we assume the reason is for Sabonis getting the spot over Jimmy Butler, if those reports are true. Um, Thoughts on everything with the Eastern Conference Reserves, Jonathan? Um, I don't have a problem with any of them, really. Uh... Ben Simmons was a bit, I would say, probably the most questionable of the people that got in uh, pre, um, pre-replacement, pre but his team's the number one team in the East, so I think that deserves some warranting. I mean, his, average, his points are down relative to just about everyone else uh, that made it, but eight assists, eight boards, seems good enough. He plays all defense uh, level as well, not that that matters in the All-Star game because they won't play any defense, but... I didn't have a problem with anyone that didn't make it. Uh, I don't have a problem with Bam not making it. Uh, some people might, but for the most part, I thought everything was, was straight. Jeremy Grant, people thought he might make it, but their team's awful. He's just he's he's just a player that's putting up absurd stats on an awful team. He, he's a nice player, but he's, he's not all-star level. Yeah, uh, one of the things you mentioned there, I mean, the Pistons just suck. So to be on the all-star team and a team that's just not doing – well at all and that might be an understatement I mean Zach Levine from the Chicago Bulls the Bulls aren't exactly having a fantastic year either but the numbers he is averaging you really can't argue against um, and even for the earlier parts of the season the Knicks with Julius Randle but the Knicks now hold the sole possession of the number four seed in the Eastern Conference so they have really flown up the the conference as far as seeding in recent weeks yeah maybe um, you can make an argument you you can make a good argument for Trey Young uh, not making it, but with Ben Simmons making it, I think that it's just telling that they they clearly do care somewhat about defense. And Trey Young might be one of the worst defenders in the entire league. The dude can't can't guard on the, a high school level, 
none nonetheless an NBA level. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show you um, that they're clearly valuing more than just your offensive output. They're obviously taking into account the success of your team and even some defensive ratings and defensive stats. However, the nerds calculate that kind of stuff, maybe even some eye tests from the people that have voted him in, like the coaches and the media and whatnot. All right, so with that being said, let's head over to the Western Conference and talk about the players that were selected as the Western Conference Reserves. You've got Anthony Davis making his eighth appearance, Paul George with number seven, Rudy Gobert, his second appearance in the All-Star game, Damian Lillard, his sixth appearance, Donovan Mitchell, second-time All-Star, Chris Paul, an 11-time All-Star, great stat for him, Zion Williamson being his first All-Star game as a rookie, and Devin Booker will replace the injured... Huh? You said Zion's first All-Star game. Ah, uh, you know, it's funny. It still feels like he's a rookie because he barely played last year. So I think that's where the mix-up comes from. But yes, it, he's in his second year. But it is his first All-Star appearance. This year, he's averaging 25 points a game to go along with seven boards and three assists. So while it was a little surprising, but at the end of the day, when you look at the numbers, I mean, not too, too surprising in that sense. And Devin Booker will replace the injured Anthony Davis in the All-Star game, people were very much so clamoring that Devin Booker had gotten snubbed. I think there's a solid case for it. He doesn't really offer much besides scoring, but he is shooting the ball pretty efficiently this year. Um, some, some people seemed a little upset that Chris Paul was in the All-Star game with 16 points a game, 9 assists, and almost 5 boards when Devin Booker is averaging almost 10 more points per game than him. But you really can't understate the value that Chris Paul really brings to your team I know OKC trade away a lot of their talent over the course of the offseason, but what Chris Paul bought, brought into Oklahoma City when the experts and the analysts predicted OKC at a .2 or whatever percent chance to make the playoffs, and he brought them in as, I believe, like a 5 or a 6 seed, uh, you really can't under, underestimate the value that Chris Paul brings to a roster, regardless of how much high-powered talent uh, and high-caliber superstars are on the roster. And, of course, Quinn Snyder will be heading up the coaching staff on the Western Conference as the Jazz still sit in the top of the Western Conference as one seed. I believe there's something along the lines of 27-7. and seven. Winners of eight of their last ten. So now in the Western Conference, anything that you saw here that you didn't like or anything that surprised you? You mentioned the Chris Paul. I, I thought of all the people that made it on either side, I would say Chris Paul was the most like eyebrow-raising. Because the Suns are a, a decent team, but I think it honestly had more to do with his pedigree and his name that he made it, maybe more than his accomplishments on the court. But for the rest of them, you, maybe you can say Gobert shouldn't have made it because he doesn't put up that many points, but they're rewarding a team that's the best team in the league with two All-Stars. That's fine with me. And other than that, no. I mean, SGA, you could say snubbed. Ingram maybe snubbed, but those two players are both on awful teams this year so it doesn't really come as a surprise the committee that picked uh, I think it was the coaches who picked the reserves uh, they clearly valued um, you know a team's record into the equation when they were deciding uh, who to pick well what I will say is uh, Pelicans aren't really doing too hot themselves so again Zion had to have you know the kind of season he's having right now to make it on this team plus also I mean his just appeal as popularity is just not going to be really fought hard against in the voting so again not too too surprising to see him there but yeah SGA definitely personally I wanted to see him in the game but he will find his way in there 
nonetheless, I have no worries about that as a Thunder fan myself. So, um, let's talk about some more things. So, the dunk contest, they announced that Obi Toppin, the New York Knicks' eighth overall draft pick from this previous year's draft, uh, will head up the dunk contest alongside Cassius Stanley, I believe Indiana Pacers. I could be wrong about that. Sounds right. Um, and Infernie Simons from the Portland Trailblazers. So three of the four contendants in the dunk contest have been named with one to go. Uh, I'd love to see my guy Hamidou Diallo get back in there, but um, who knows, they might go over to some guys who haven't got that chance to compete yet. And also, the NBA announced that Robert Covington will be competing in the skills challenge that everybody cares about oh so much. So, can't wait to see Robert Covington and all of his skills on display in the skills challenge, which I believe is the pregame uh, for the All-Star weekend. And then, I think halftime, is is that both the dunk contest and the three-point? Uh, I I don't know about the setup. It's normally Saturday, Sunday, but it would make sense that it's only on one night. Yeah, they're year. trying to just limit everything as much as possible. All right, so let's dive into some more headlines and a discussion um, as we keep traversing this past week's information and rumors and news altogether in the NBA. So earlier this week, I believe this is like this past Thursday, uh, Ben Simmons was quoted as saying he's the best defensive player in the league. It says he can guard one through five. Quick thoughts on that statement from himself. I don't know if he is the best defensive player in the league, but... I agree with him to an extent that he he has good enough size and quickness that he can probably defend at least one through four. I don't know if he has the size to guard someone like his teammate Joel Embiid if they were matched up against each other. But I mean, he's if he wins Depoy this year, then that would that would make him the best defender in the league hypothetically. So you know, I guess he's got to back it up by winning Depoy to claim that to to say something like that. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a bold statement to make. I mean, we're very early on in the season. Not that he really needs this season to prove his defensive prowess, but uh, best defender in the league. I mean, that's just kind of confidence I feel like you do kind of need to have, regardless, in yourself. So not too surprising to hear somebody who's made it to the league talk so highly of himself in that sense. But I agree, one through five might be a little bit of a stretch. But definitely I would agree one through four for sure. So the 538 on Twitter was quoted as saying, with no holes in his arsenal, Shea Gillages-Alexander is developing into a score the equal of any in the league. Thoughts on that? The 538 uh, is a website that I follow a lot during the election, and they had a lot of stuff about the election sans the president that turned out to be really wrong. (laughs) <laughs> and I would say that this statement is equally as wrong. I don't watch SGA as much as you do, Nick, mm-hmm. but uh, he's a nice player. But to say that I he's developing say. into a scorer, the equal of any in the league, I would say that's going just just maybe a little bit uh, too far. Well, I'll tell you this. I think this was uh, this was a clickbait uh, kind of headline. Um He's definitely a fantastic scorer. He can score from anywhere in the court at all three levels. Uh, I think I definitely think he's coming into himself as a player, and he still has so much more room to grow. He's such a young player in the league. Uh, definitely, again, another bold statement by some Twitter account on this website. How is this website free? Well, it might not be free for much longer after the news of Twitter all of a sudden becoming you can charge people for tweets. Hopefully not. Which I think is absolutely absurd, but that's that's besides the point. 
But I would love to see this statement come true personally myself. So an adult website sent an email to the Brooklyn Nets offering a digital strip club for James Harden and the rest of the entire Brooklyn Nets teams. Uh, I believe they're called Cam Soda. And they, uh, they sent it over and they say, with the 2021 NBA All-Star game quickly approaching and Brooklyn sending the largest contingent to Atlanta, we here at Cam Soda want to make sure that your players stay safe on and off the court. It's no secret that some of your All-Stars have an affinity for nightlife and uh, I, have to, I have to zoom in on this. Scantily clad women cough James Harden cough. This is a direct quote, by the way. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we don't want to see the next championship aspirations put in jeopardy because Katie, Kyrie, or James gave in to the temptations of, say, Magic City, famous strip clubs in Atlanta. They'll cut it off from there. Uh, I think this is absolutely hilarious that they did this. And I'm sure it was thrown in the trash right away as soon as it reached the Brooklyn Nets office. Um, <laughs> did you even hear about this? Because I honestly uh, I didn't. I didn't, but just hearing about it now obviously accomplishes what the whole point of that letter was was to get publicity and, mm-hmm. and now people are you know going to see that and look look into it and whatnot everything on here is just for clicks man where's the real content anymore all right so Kyrie Irving earlier this past week spoke to the uh, the possibility of changing the NBA logo from Jerry West to Kobe Bryant uh, this is something that has been met with I would say mostly positive reactions. I haven't seen too many negative reactions from people about um, the idea of this happening and not wanting it to happen. Uh, what would you personally say about changing the logo possibly to Kobe Bryant? Um, I think it would be better at, as Michael Jordan. But You know, that's an interesting point. I'm surprised that at no point they never – do you think they ever discussed it? Was, it? it was until last January. And now it's changed. Mm. Now the conversation has changed a little bit, but I mean, I don't. I I wouldn't have an issue with with it either way, though. Who's on the logo is not something you know. When I think of like the number like of things I care about the NBA, who's on the logo <laughs> is probably towards the very bottom of the list. That's fair. Uh, I mean, yeah. I I honestly could couldn't really care less who's on the logo. So I mean. If they want to put Kobe on the logo, I'd be absolutely down for it. I think that'd be a nice gesture for them to do, and it's not like he hasn't earned it. He's definitely an icon of the NBA, so we'll see if that ends up happening. And a little little small news here. It seems like the NBA and Hennessy have announced a multi-year partnership expansion, making Hennessy the official spirit of the NBA worldwide. Uh, very strange news, but... Um, I, I, don't, I don't want to say anything that might get me in trouble. <laughs> Uh, not hashtag not my drink of choice. We'll leave it at that. So we got a quote here from an NBA analyst on Zion Williamson. He was supposed to be the next LeBron James. So hell no, he has not lived up to the hype. Thoughts on that statement? He made the All Star game in his second year, and so did LeBron. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe his team isn't as good, but. I don't know if anyone called him the next LeBron. Uh, I, a lot I feel of people like did. People said that he, he, he was the next LeBron. That, you're, you're crazy if you did say that you didn't hear that people were referring to him as well, the next I'll tell LeBron. Well, I'll tell you this about Zion then. Coming in to college, he was not the projected number one pick in the draft. He was projected to go like three or four in that draft. Uh, I think okay. 
Whoever went... He actually wasn't even projected the best player on his team. I think, um... Uh, what's his name? Was I'm it, trying to think. Was it Barrett or Reddish? Yeah, Barrett. I think Barrett was projected as the best player on that team. I think you're right. Uh, so, I mean, LeBron was considered, like, one of the best players in the world since when he was, like, a freshman in high school, so... That's true. Yeah, so I wouldn't... On that note, I wouldn't say that, like, they were compared necessarily similar like that. Maybe in people's mind, because they saw Zion dunk and stuff like that, but in people that really evaluate talent, I don't think anyone thought that Zion was going to be the next LeBron. They thought he was going to be really good. That's fair to say. But not necessarily, like, LeBron level. I have a pretty bold take that is, uh, that's been met with a lot of disdain, and only some people know of it. So, in going off of this, how a lot of people have expressed that Zion Williamson is the next coming of LeBron James, and I have said uh, several times that if he doesn't, like, if he doesn't end his career as LeBron James in that sense, or in, like, LeBron James caliber, then he's a bust. And when you throw the word bust around, you kind of get met with immediate, like, you're a troll or like you're insane and everybody who i said this to has thought that i'm insane for saying that zion williamson could ever be a bust but the way that the people in the media and nba fans and experts analysts whatever you want to call them the way that they have portrayed him and projected his future to be the next lebron james to be the next coming of lebron james I mean, you have to, like, I feel like he, if he doesn't reach that level, then, like, you kind of have to just accept the fact that, technically speaking, he's a bust. If, you know, that's what we label guys who don't reach our expectations. They are fat busts. Uh, I think that he could be, he, he's trending in the right direction right now, but he, I'm still a little worried about his injury history. He was hurt a little bit at Duke. Like his knees. He was hurt. He missed a lot of the season last year, and he's just, he's so big. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like, I feel like we could be dealing with, like, this could be like a, he, you know, he hurts his knee or something like that. Like you think a, he's got too much muscle coming like, down on his knees I that don't he can't know, handle? I don't know if it's muscle coming down on his knees. So you're calling him a fat bust. But, like... I think that you could have a situation where if he gets a type of injury that lingers, like a, like a back injury or a knee injury, it's possible he could be like the next Greg Oden because he doesn't have a body that's built. Sheesh. He doesn't have a body that's built to to heal very quickly. I feel like. Yeah, we're gonna put out a headline that says, uh, "Known troll Jonathan Sullivan compares Zion Williamson to Greg Oden. Yeah. Future uncertain." In same breath, Nick compares Zion to LeBron. I mean, it ain't just me, at least, though. I mean, yours is bold take. Technically, that's... Uh... And to be fair, I, I want to make this very clear. Um, I I never projected Zion to be the next LeBron James. I, I, don't, I think it's really... I don't know if I could ever really predict somebody unless they really, like... Because so many young kids today come up through the ranks of high school and, like, prep school leagues, AAU, whatever... And they get, like, tons of praise and tons of hype. And, you know, they get their hoop mixtapes and stuff and their highlights on and put on Twitter. And they get super viral and stuff. And I just find that it's 
it's got it's just so hard because LeBron James, I mean, like you're talking about a guy who people argue is like the greatest basketball player of all time. That just doesn't happen. The NBA, like you don't just see those guys coming around every like every year, every 5 years, every 10 years, every 20 years. The NBA's been around for so long and we've had two people, MJ and LeBron James, who have played in, you know, several different decades that are like the only two people that have really warranted this kind of hype, this kind of discussion. So I find it to be kind of ridiculous the hype that some people get and the comparisons that some people get. I feel like I sound like Patrick Mahomes' wife um, talking about people stop comparing each other to, you know, with Pat Mahomes and Tom Brady. But like, I think at a certain point you just have to like, you people are just so quick to jump on bandwagons and jump on hype trains, and I think. With Zion, I I don't think that's I I don't think the comparison to LeBron James is there, and I that's why I kind of felt obligated to make a take like that when people were talking about it. So, again, I'm a hero, but like that's just my take. So moving forward, um, so earlier in the week, actually this was yesterday when the Warriors got absolutely beat down by the Lakers. Uh, Steph Curry said that teams still want to beat them and beat them back. Like, they still have a lot of memories from the last five years. Do you think this is true? Do you think teams still want to beat the shit out of the Warriors for what they did over the past five years, almost monopolizing yeah. the NBA Finals with the Cavs? Uh, yeah, I do. I think it's a lot like um, NFL. Like, I think teams still want to beat the Patriots next year, even though the Patriots were awful last year, and they're probably going to be awful this upcoming year. But we'll save that for another podcast that will never get dropped. Uh we didn't even shout them out this time. <laughs> but, yeah, I think I would agree with that to an extent. They still have a good amount of holdovers. I mean, Clay Thompson is hurt, but Curry and Draymond were two integral pieces to their championships. You know, the big one, Durant's gone. But, yeah, I think people still, you know, the facade of, of their championships will wear off in, in another year or two. But for the time being, I would say, yeah, I feel like people still see the Warriors on the schedule and they say, like, that's a, like a bigger game. Yeah, I I think if this were hockey, that each opposing team that played the Warriors that would have at least one player trying to drop the gloves of Draymond like every night, just to really like get just get it out and really kind of just bring the aggression and let out all the frustrations that everybody from players all the way to fans have had to experience having to watch the same two teams play in the NBA Finals for four straight years. So I definitely think this is real um, in the league for at least some, if not most, teams. So um, not surprising to see maybe more more statements and more quotes come out uh, like this from either other Warriors players like Draymond or or Clay or other teams that you know might just speak out against it. You know he had that incident with Steph Curry and Dennis Schroeder that wasn't about the finals, but he had that little elbow uh, from Steph Curry and Dennis Schroeder that made that game really interesting. So. Uh, who knows? Maybe, maybe people are, really are not thrilled with the the Warriors kind of like the way teams aren't thrilled with the Patriots in the NFL. So, uh, moving forward, I mentioned very briefly John Wall's awful uh, shooting game uh, yesterday against the that team. I cannot remember. Uh, the Rockets have lost eleven straight games, and it looks like they're going to get at least right now that pick that they sent over to OKC that was top four protected this year as they currently sit with the number three pick based off record and win percentage. 
John Wall having like the first ever, I, he was like four of 16 from the field or something like that. And he had like zeros in every other stat column. Uh, and I think it was one of the first times anybody's ever done that uh, in a long, long time. I think it was the first time since J.R. Smith did it in 2012 and then another player had done it since 1985. Like the last time a starter did it since like 1985. Uh, the Rockets, man. What do you see happening to this team? Like, uh, I don't know what John Wall's contract status is exactly at the moment, but uh, are they going to be perennial losers for like the next few years, if not longer? Yeah, I, I think you're looking at a team that I'm just looking across the roster here. I mean, I don't see anything of substance. I mean, Jishon Tate, I guess people are a little high on him, but you said earlier, Oladipo, he's getting traded. P.J. Tucker, he's probably also getting traded. So, yeah, I think you're looking at a team that's going to be bad for a while. I don't see them getting any better anytime soon. I mean, they're awful right now. They're probably gonna. You just hope. I mean, as as resident OKC fan, Nick, I just you would just you just hope and pray that you know someone, maybe a team or two moves up in the lottery. You get some lucky ping pong balls, and the Rockets slide to five, which certainly is possible and could happen. But other than Minnesota, I I can't really think. I mean, I know Detroit has a worse record than them right now, but roster wise, I don't see a team that's much much better or much worse than this and i don't even think minnesota roster wise is is worse than this well, especially game. with cat back now yeah. and he's playing well but and they're, they're they don't awful. even have d'angelo russell they're awful you just gotta you gotta hope you gotta hope and pray some other team yeah. just starts tanking where like the Cavs had lost like i don't know something like 10 straight to their own tune yeah. there so i need something like that to happen again uh yeah so i just pulled it up on the big on the screen i was called the big screen it's kind of a small screen but uh, John Wall is under contract for what looks like the next following two seasons at a clip of about $44 million, and then the next year $47 million, and then he becomes a UFA in 2023. So it's going uh, to be John Wall and a bunch of young scrubs for quite some time. So that is going to be a tough scene for Houston Rockets fans and probably the whole entire team and organization itself. Um, but yeah, they they're in a tough spot right now, and they've they already also traded away in that Westbrook deal more picks over to OKC, so they're they're going to be very they're going to have to make some incredible moves to acquire more picks, and I don't think there's any way they get rid of John Wall with that contract, man. It was amazing that they made that deal in the first place, so. Tom Thibodeau reportedly is open to bringing Carl Anthony Towns back to the Knicks. Uh, I don't know what the interest level really is for uh, for this kind of deal to be structured and to be done. Um, but that would certainly make the Knicks a more frightening contender in the East. Would you say so? Yes, it certainly would. Um, I don't think Minnesota's shopping him. I think that they're... They got him, uh, D'Angelo Russell... Uh, Anthony Edwards, and then they're going to have another presumably top four or three pick in the upcoming draft. I think that that's probably going to be their direction in rebuilding the Mm -hmm. team. But say what you want about Tom Thibodeau, that he makes people work too hard or they run, he he runs his stars into the ground. But 
his players seemingly like to play for him. I mean, Derrick Rose is back. He, Anthony Towns, I guess he's not, you know, he just didn't shoot this down right away. Jimmy Butler liked playing for Tibbs. You know, remember the Timber Bulls? They yeah. were a little while. It was like a bunch of Bulls players. Like, like Taj Rose. Gibson. Yeah, Taz Gibson. Uh, Thad Young, I think, was yeah. balling around there for a little while. Journeyman. So, seems like Thibodeau gets a... Gets the job done. Yeah, he players like him. I mean, he's, got, I think, he's had I think a lot he of over, success. I think he overstays his... He t- tends to bite... Uh, uh, how would I describe this? Um... Butt heads with, oh, okay. with the front office over maybe t- uh, front office that want to conserve players' playing time. You know the league's going a lot of like load management. Sit them out here, sit them out there, and, and he is the exact the opposite, complete opposite of that. So yeah, I, I think the more doing. like the more organizations that take that like Clippers approach versus the Thibodeau approach, the less Thibodeau has in the league. But I think he certainly has a spot. Mm-hmm. All right, other news as we wrap up some other headlines from this past week. Joakim Noah is officially retired from basketball via Shams. This was about eight hours ago. Great career for him, obviously, for uh, the days back in Chicago. We just mentioned the, Tim, uh, the Tom Thibodeau-led Chicago Bulls back in the day. Uh, Noah was a force. I mean, he was a guy, I mean, I, I remember him button heads with KG in a lot of the big Celtics Bulls series back in the day. So, great career for him. Happy he is now moving on and hopefully enjoying life or something. I don't know. Uh, the Lakers also have reportedly acquired interest in Andre Drummond, but only through the buyout market. Andre Drummond has not played basketball in what feels like months, but I think it's been about two or three weeks. And it looks like they're just not going to do anything with him. Now they have about exactly three and a half weeks since the trade deadline being on uh, March 25th, almost said first, March 25th. So uh, I, I, I feel like we've talked about Andre Drummond a, a lot, maybe in short bits over the past couple weeks, but do you think that, like, how, do you think they're going to do anything with him before the deadline, or do you think he's just going to end up getting bought out? I would like to see him traded because I think that he's he's too good of a player to be bought out. Yeah. But if he ends up buying out, getting bought out, I don't know why he would go. Why he wouldn't go to the Lakers? It doesn't make any sense why he would go anywhere else. The Lakers sell the centers out for the Lakers. Freaking stink! They start they start a shell of like Marcus All, and I don't even know. Well, yeah, Montrezl Harrell and yeah, Anthony but, Davis. But, yeah, but they still start Montrezl Harrell comes off the bench. They still start yeah. Marcus All, and that would. Under Drummond would be an immediate upgrade over Marcus Sullivan. For sure. Position. I mean, he's he's in he's like he's still in the prime of his career. Yeah. So, I I would I'd be shocked if Drummond ends up getting bought out and not going to the Lakers. Mm. Agreed. All right, that's gonna do it for the headlines this week for the past week of NBA news. Uh, a couple shout outs as we do every week for some guys that have been balling lately. Uh, Russell Westbrook, over his past seven days, has been averaging 22 points, 11 boards, and 9 assists. Almost a triple-double per game. The Wizards have really gotten back on track. They're winners of about, I believe, seven of their last ten games. So, although they dropped that last thriller to the Celtics, which we will get to soon, uh, they have been playing some pretty good basketball. Now, a couple Sacramento Kings players enjoying some success on the court. Richuan Holmes coming back from missing a few games of injury. 15 points and 10 rebounds a game. 
pretty efficient shooting as well. Harrison Barnes, 22-6-5. He is a guy that, again, as the, be- the better he continues to play, uh, the more and more I believe that he will not be dealt at all, uh, especially to a team whose fans seem to think that Harrison Barnes is going to come to the franchise. And over in Charlotte, a couple of young kids who have had a really fantastic performances over the past week. LaMelo Ball averaging 22-5-7. And, and his uh, fellow teammate, P.J. Washington, averaging 21-6-2. P.J. Washington had like 42 points the other night. Uh, definitely out of nowhere. I honestly don't really know who P.J. Washington really is. I think he's a North Carolina guy. Um, I don't think I would have expected that kind of performance from him. I don't think he was that level of a uh, a talent coming into the league. But... Hey, young man's balling out there. Got to respect. So with that being said, let's move into the Celtics. Uh, one of the first things that I wanted to bring up um, that I had pulled up over on the screen. Uh, I've seen a lot of really gross like trade proposals from like Celtics fan accounts and just people on Twitter being like, yo, like let's do this deal. Like Celtics fans, what trades would you do? And that's been, like, the big discussion between Danny Ainge and all the Celtics' other problems, you know, has been the trade market and what they're going to do. So I want you to take a look at this trade. I've seen so many deals centered around these two guys. It's a deal with the Houston Rockets that would send uh, P.J. Tucker and Victor Oladipo from the Rockets to the Celtics for Jeff Teague, Grant Williams, Aaron Neesmith, and a 2022 lottery-protected first-round draft pick. Uh, apparently this trade works. Uh, I guess it, the trade exception would all be the big how it gets done. Um, initial thoughts on this deal? I can see why an account called CelticsLife.com uh, proposed it. <laughs> because I think if there was an account called RocketsLife.com, they would not have proposed this because it is just... It probably would have been Jalen Brown and so Jason Tatum. favored in the Celtics' favor, in in my opinion. I mean, you get two guys on an expiring deals, but I Oladipo has only been traded, so you would still have his bird rights, I believe, so you could go over the cap to re-sign him. Uh, That's and, if he even would. Well, I think they... I think if you make the trade, you have to, basically, in my opinion, if you were to make the trade. Well, you would offer it, but, like, do you think Ola- it's not no given that Oladipo would just resign? Yeah, I mean, that's true. He seems pretty intent on going to free agency, so I don't. I just don't want to assume that he's just going to come here right, and sign a but deal. But I, I think, well, I think that if you make the trade, you have to be under the assumption that you're going to try to uh, mm. get a deal done. But yeah, the Jeff Teague, see you later. Grant Williams, see you later. A first round pick that's going to be like in the twenties, whatever. Neesmith, you know how I feel about him. Some people are high on him, but I don't care about Neesmith. So he can he can get going. That's just a ridiculous uh, trade. That yeah, would be it, such a win for the Celtics. It's it's not that's not the only trade, and I, I pulled up a few other trades here. I of course we. We talked about this earlier in the week, but some of these people are are just like these Celtics fans are overvaluing their players so much. Uh, I saw this guy on Twitter going around saying that Kemba Walker, the way he's played, which to this point has been bad, um, 
these past few games have been better, for sure. Um, that Malcolm Brogdon was not better than Kemba Walker. And I, I, I don't know if better is the word to choose, but more value for sure. I mean, Kemba's got injury problems, a knee problem, and he's pretty much in or leaving his prime. Malcolm Brogdon is just entering it if he's not even hitting it yet. And he is capable of doing all amazing things on the court, especially offensively. I found it shocking that somebody, that anybody would really prefer having Kemba Walker over somebody like Malcolm Brogdon. But you can only really do so much to try and convince Celtics fans uh, to you know use their brains over their hearts. So let's take a look at one trade here. We've got uh, it's a three-way deal between the Magic and the Thunder, obviously with the Celtics. Where the Celtics snagged George Hill, Nikola Vucevic, and a 2023 second rounder via the Wizards. The Magic get Daniel Theus, Carson Edwards, Romeo Langford, Aaron Neesmith, two first round picks, and a second round pick. And then the Thunder get Jeff Teague and two second round picks. Uh, looks like from the Celtics. Celtics really dishing around all their draft picks just for this deal. Uh, the Celtics get plus 18 in projected wins. And the, the other teams get like minus 9 and minus 6. Like these, this is not a fair deal. Like Daniel Theus, like, like Carson Edwards and Roman Langford doesn't even play basketball anymore. And Carson Edwards is not an NBA player. You're, you're getting George Hill and Nikola Vucevic and you're just dishing out Bust draft picks, future draft picks, and then some older bums. Like no shot anyone does this deal. I don't even think there's any like way the Magic even trade Nikola Vucevic for practically anything that is within like real like realistic like realistically like gonna happen. I don't think there's any trade aside from like the extreme of like oh here, how about he take LeBron like obviously they probably do that. Um. But I don't think they deal Vucevic for practically anybody. Uh, any thoughts on this ridiculous three-way deal? It's just ridiculous, and it's not even going to come close to happening. It's, <coughs> it's just it's absurd. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is the other deal that I was uh, that I was thinking in the back of my head while I was reading the original Houston Rockets deal that we started this segment off with. This one just it it, it sparked like a fume in me. That just pissed me off beyond proportion. So it's another deal between the Celtics and Rockets where the Rockets send P.J. Tucker and Dan, Dan Wellhouse Jr. over to the Celtics for Romeo Langford, a second rounder, and a first rounder. Bro, the projected wins in this deal according to the, e, the ESPN sorry. NBA trade machine, plus 21 in wins for the Celtics and minus 21 for the Rockets. How is this any realistic deal that is fair, and that would ever happen. I don't like. I don't even think this deal is is as lopsided as some of the other ones you have shown. If the Rockets are content, are gonna let PJ Tucker, if they're content on trading him, definitely. Mm-hmm. But I don't know where they get the plus twenty one and the minus twenty one wins. Yeah, that that number is what like baffled me. Like Romeo Langford, a resident glass man, glass man. Mm-hmm. Getting dealt to the Houston Rockets, like, uh, I don't know, man. I, I thought this was absurd. We'll get the Malcolm Brogdon one is sure to come up soon. 
And then, of course, here is another Houston Rockets. This person just really thought the Houston Rockets were the perfect trade target, which I don't really understand because these are contracts that are not really great aside from, like, Victor Oladipo with the trade exception. And, like, do we really want P.J. Tucker? Like, P.J. Tucker? Like, is that really going to, you know, move the needle for the Celtics so far this season? I don't think so. So this deal has P.J. Tucker and Victor Oladipo going to the Celtics for Jeff Teague, Carson Edwards, Romeo Langford, a second round and first round. Victor Oladipo, a former All-Star for bum vet, washed up Jeff Teague, unproven, trash non-NBA player Carson Edwards, and glass man Romeo Langford in two picks. Like, this is, this is a joke. Some, 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 some Celtics fans are just so stupid and delusional. No brain cells going on here. And then the last one, this is sure to be the, Mal- the Malcolm Brogdon deal. This, ha- this trade had Doug McDermott and Malcolm Brogdon coming to the Celtics for Jeff T, Kemba Walker, Romeo Langford, a second-round pick, and a first-round pick. And the projected wins, there's no change in each. So the NBA trade machine on ESPN seems to think that this is a pretty even trade. And to be honest, I kind of agree. You kind of get an unproven talent if you're going to try and be optimist. Unproven talent, possible potential with Romeo Langford you know you give a, a serviceable Jeff Teague and then you give Kemba Walker I guess you go try and win now I don't really I don't see how Indiana would want this deal though to be honest but uh I mean you if you're the Celtics like, you get rid of Kemba Walker but again it, it's the, the thing that bothers me that there's a lot of Celtics fans a lot of people aren't understanding is it's not only whether the trade is fair which in most trades I've seen proposed from Celtics fans online are not fair but it's is the team that you're trading with even going to consider trading their player for anyone and if so are they interested in what the Celtics have to offer are teams that interested in Kemba Walker I don't think so. You've got the Pacers who are who've got Karis LeVert, who uh, is a fantastic player, but he's going to be out for a while. Who knows how long? I don't think the Pacers are in win now mode. They've got some young talent, and also T.J. Warren being hurt. I don't think they're in win now mode. I don't think they have any interest in Kemba Walker whatsoever. So, again, I feel like this is just people just spitballing ideas that just have no like realistic potential to even happen. So, uh, just I, I guess that was my venting session mixed in with like, you know, Celtics trade talk. Um, I would again we've talked about this for weeks. Wouldn't be surprised if they did absolutely nothing. Um, but we still have got a few weeks to go and a few weeks where Danny Ainge can change our mind. I think uh, I saw in the news today that the Celtics not the owner but uh, a front office member of the Celtics was speaking with Channel 5 News and saying that Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens have full confidence from Celtics ownership in the entire organization. So it looks like our uh, our little seat warmer, hot seat a uh, little bit, is going to have to take a hit. Um, we can still obviously put in there, but it seems like now they're not in any danger of losing their jobs which I would have them liked to not have said. It's one thing to maybe think that. I would have liked them to let, you know, Ainge and Stevens kind of be, you know, feel the pressure a little bit. Maybe get them to make some changes that needs to happen to point this team in the right direction. But 
you can't have everything in this world. So let's talk about the past week with the Celtics. We talked about what we needed to see from the Celtics, and I think, again, it was another 4-0 and week all around when Ryan was here in studio, our fellow Arkansas boy. So um, we didn't get it again. Um, the previous week we had asked for 4-0, and and we got 2-2. Two and two. So we should have known that asking for 4-0 and again would mean we'd get another week of 2-2. Two and two. Uh, They dropped their first two games against the Mavs, and then the second half of the back-to-back against the Hawks. They just suck against Atlanta. It's crazy. Uh, But then they were able to finish strong and win games against those Indiana Pacers and them striving Washington Wizards, even though they almost blew it at the end. Uh, If Jason Tatum hadn't decided to go nuclear and save the Celtics, they would have had a very shameful loss to the Washington Wizards. So... Let's talk about these games one by one. So we'll go to last Tuesday night in Dallas when they played the Mavericks. Uh, this was not a fantastic game. It was a close game, but a lot of things they did wrong. Uh, they shot horribly from deep, 30% from deep. That's not good, you know what I mean? Like, it's not the worst, but it's still not good. They only had 19 assists in this game. Uh, NBC Sports Boston has been posting a lot of stats. They posted it this the other night. Um, that when the Celtics have like 25 or more assists in a game, they're something to the tune of like 8-1 and one or something like that. They're very over 500. And then when they're below 20 assists a game, they're like 3-11. and 11 or, or like they're... The whole point of it is when they don't get enough assists, it translates to like, oh, they're not moving the ball around enough. They're not getting guys open. They're not creating shots for other guys. They're playing a lot of iso ball that we've seen Tatum and Brown do constantly this year. So, uh, not surprising, another 19 assist game. But this game wasn't lost in the assists. And they had 46 rebounds. That's not a bad number. Uh, I believe they out, actually out-rebounded the Mavericks in this game. That's that's not the reason why they lost this game. I mean, it was it was clutch time down the stretch. They didn't make the plays they needed to do, and they didn't play they didn't play good enough defense to stop rising superstar Luka Doncic. And let me tell you, on that last play, Aaron Neesmith blew it. He blew it. And I don't know if anybody noticed, but um, it looked like they were going to double Luka, and Neesmith was on him. And Neesmith just like let him run, uh, Doncic run to the side. Yeah, let him Doncic run right to the spot where Doncic hit the game winner in game like five or six in the Western semis against the Clippers. And then Daniel Theus was the other guy there. I can't think of two people I would not have wanted anywhere near Luka Doncic more than Aaron Neesmith and Daniel Theus. Like, how the hell does that breakdown in coverage even happen? That I don't know. Uh, And the other big thing from this game, 19 bench points. I mean, that's horrible. We talked about how bad this this depth for the Celtics have been this year. But 19 bench points. Brutal. I mean, Jalen Brunson was 5 of 7 from 3. I believe he had something to the tune of like 22 points. Uh, 22 22 points on 5 of 7 shooting. Um, just, Just a bad, like, Overall, just a very subpar defensive game, and they didn't make the plays when it counted in this one. Uh, and this was coming off some bad losses from the previous week. So that it really felt like a dagger, like that three. It really felt like a dagger into the hearts of us Celtics fans. So uh, any thoughts from this game, Jonathan? No, uh, just no bench. Simply no bench. You got Jalen Brunson. 
outscored your entire bench. I'm looking at the box score here. It's just tough. And Neesmith, I know we'll we'll get to him. No, you triggered it again. I I know I said it earlier, but I was waiting for someone to say that's Aaron Neesmith. You know what that means. When anybody says Aaron Neesmith, and I guess that's not named me, we cut right into our weekly Aaron Neesmith box score review of the week. Yeah, Aaron Neesmith. All right, let's check in with the best shooter in the draft, Aaron Neesmith. So our first game, we're talking about the Mavericks right now. Good timing. Good timing on the trigger word for Aaron Neesmith to get this segment in. So, as Jonathan was mentioning, Aaron Neesmith played about 22 minutes in this game. Uh, and he ended with, well, can you guess how many points he ended with? I know you're looking at the screen, but, like, guess how many shots he... Well, let's think about it this way, hypothetically. You play 22 minutes a game. How many shots do you think you've taken in 22 minutes? Well, if you're a normal player, I would say about four to six. If you're the best shooter in the draft, I would say in 22 minutes you should probably be getting about eight to twelve. Yeah, I was lean, I would lean more eight to nine. I think we talked. I think we even talked about this last week on the segment. It's probably a reoccurring theme. Yeah. Um. So Aaron Eason, how many shots you get? Zero. Unbelievable. I mean, he almost played half the game, and he shot the ball zero. He was drafted. As the best shooter in the draft. I mean, I don't even know how that's possible. I feel like I could play 22 minutes in in the NBA. And you, and take one course, shot. You don't like, even have to score. You would just... You'd take just, a shot. Yeah, you'd just find yourself open at one point. Or you'd, a rebound would come to you well, or they whatever. Well, they would leave you open, yeah. that's for sure. Okay, well, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> Neesmith, I, I don't even know how you play 22 minutes and not take a shot. Hmm. It hey. tells me, you know, it tells me, and I've seen it a lot, he is, he's, he's scared to shoot. I mean, the ball touched his hand and it's immediately passed away because he's nervous that he's going to turn it over or miss or whatnot. He doesn't have the confidence, and that's probably the most uh, troubling sign for a shooter because a shooter needs their confidence, going back to the famous... Uh, Dion Waiters quote from about two or three years ago where he said, I think I'd, I'd rather go 0 of 30 than 0 of 9 because if I went 0 of 9, it meant I stopped shooting. And Neesmith Fair. has to have that attitude when he gets on the court because he was drafted as the best shooter in the draft. He needs to be shooting when he's on the court. For every, like, I would say for every three or four minutes Neesmith plays, he needs to have about one shot. And I would say I know that, that game flow dictates stuff like that. But when you're drafted to be the best shooter in a draft, you have to shoot the ball. Mm-hmm. Period. Agreed. But hey, let's not uh, let, let's not let this get lost upon some positive signs from this game. Three rebounds. Okay, we know this guy's he's the best rebounder in the draft now. We should have I should've I should have right. that's the first thing I should have said in this week. Uh three rebounds in this game. Uh he did have a turnover, tough. But he came back, had a block, three personal fouls, second highest in the team. Nobody getting any easy shit on our boy Aaron Neesmith. Okay, and a plus five. I mean, Grant Williams is a plus five. But, I mean, it was better than Daniel Theus and Jason Tatum. So, I mean, defensive god, I think, at least in this game. Uh, except in the end, because uh, he, he really screwed up, in my opinion, there. All right, so let's check in uh, the second game of the back-to-back against the Hawks. Aaron Neesmith clocked in. 14 minutes. Now, we said 22 minutes he took zero shots. Now, 14 minutes, you're probably thinking, what, maybe th- three, four shots. Uh, it, the dude got seven shots in this game. He was 5-7. He had a career-high 13 points, shot 71% from the field, 75% from three. He was 3-4. of four. 
I I don't I don't get it. Did they put it? They just play him and let him shoot all these minutes because it was a blowout at this point because they gave him Gallinari thirty eight points. That, yes. That's that's yes. what I'm thinking. Yes, he only does this in garbage time. That was almost all. His minutes were almost completely garbage time. Mm-hmm. Um, Taco Fall and Tremont Waters played almost eight minutes, and Neesmith only played six more minutes than them. Taco, Javante, and Tremont all shot 100 percent from the field. Yeah, so. I mean that 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 at the very end of that game, those those bench scrubs they were cooking. Mm-hmm. But eleven points for Tremal Waters. Neesmith barely barely. Eleven played. for Carson Edwards. And best shoot in the draft, going zero two from the line. Just it is insane how awful he's been at the line. It's embarrassing. It makes no sense when you're a shooter. Your free throw percentage should be like like your at best eighty five. Approaching ninety percent, honestly. I think his free throw percentage might be his worst percentage. No. Are you sure? Because he misses he's a lot. Like thirty percent from he's shooting thirty five percent from three. He's okay. He's not shooting that bad for the line. Uh, it feels like it, whether even though it's probably not true. We'll see if we can pull that up. But for now, I'll continue going on. Uh, Neesmith is shooting. 67% from the free throw line. All right, well, that feels like 30% from the line, but whatever. <laughs> uh, another three rebounds in this game for Neesmith. Uh, another one turnover and one steal. Two fouls, 13 points. Look, I mean, this is the stuff we want to see in every game, not just when the game has already been decided. Uh, so with that said, we'll move on to what I believe was Friday uh, when they played the Pacers. Uh, Aaron Eastsmith clocked in just seven minutes, only taking one shot and he, that he missed. No other stats. He had one personal foul. Um, I don't know what happened to his minutes in this game. Uh, you would think after shooting so well in garbage time, maybe he'd get a he'd get a lick of some run. And Brad decided to just yoink him of all of the minutes he was getting. And only play him seven minutes, uh, so our boy not doing not doing too hot right now uh, after these <laughs> these past few games, uh, as far as games that actually mattered. So uh, another thing here, let's talk about the fourth game of the week, the last game of the week, which was the Wizards game, and we haven't been able to do this for a long time, but Aaron Neesmith for the first time in what feels like weeks. He clocked in a DMP coach's decision. Wow, it's been a long time since we've been able to do that. It's been like two weeks or something yeah. like that. Uh, literally didn't see a lick of run in this game. Grant Williams got six minutes, hit his one shot in this game. Nothing for Aaron Eastman. Not Jeff Teague played 21 minutes. Well, we'll get to Jeff Teague. Um, but as far as Neesmith goes, I mean, not a good week for our boy. Very roller coastery. Tough week for the people that think Neesmith is legit crowd. Mm. No, that's for sure. Um, with that being said, let's check in with. Uh, I had a tweet that we had. I had pulled up. So this quote came out earlier in the week, and it actually sparked a good amount of buzz in the Boston area. So an anonymous player spoke about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and said that Tatum and Brown cannot be your superstars. They only do things to help their game. They don't get anyone else any easy shots. All they know how to do is score. Immediate reaction to that. Well, they're not point guards. 
they've never been point guards or or guard forwards, and uh, this source is just so what they they're supposed to be like Luka Doncic or LeBron James, like they're supposed to average like ten assists a game. That's not the type of player they are. So they need they need a facilitator. They're they're they are scorers. They're not guards. They're not like point forward or point guard. They're small forward and power forward and maybe shooting guard, but they they're not point they're not point guards or point fours. They're that's just not their game. I agree, but I still think there is a little merit in the statement in the sense that they need to be doing other things aside from necessarily getting assists in the right. box I'll, score. I'll tell you I'll tell you this, okay? Kevin Durant when he was in Oklahoma City and I like I like to compare Tatum to Kevin Durant for his like ceiling whether people think that's ridiculous or not I don't really care Kevin Durant before he went to Golden State and he was surrounded by the best like shooters literally maybe of all time yep he the most assists he ever averaged in a season was five in Oklahoma City Tatum is averaging four and a half right now so did anyone say Kevin Durant doesn't make his teammates better because he only averaged five assists in Oklahoma City? Oh, well, Kevin Durant's now, teams in that situation is, were not 17 and 17. Is, the difference is, is that Durant had a teammate in Russell Westbrook that was averaging like 10, you know, 11, 12 assists. Mm-hmm. The Celtics don't have that player, which is why I've been harping on the Celtics to add a, which is why I'm so high on them potentially getting Lonzo Ball. They need some type of guy that can average, like, almost double-digit assists to help them, like, move the ball around. Because Tatum and Brown, as good as they are, they're just... They're not guys that usage rate should be, like, 40%, like Luka Doncic. That's just not their game. It's crazy that Marcus Smart has been, like, the best facilitator on this Mm -hmm. team. And he's really not a guy I view as, like, a point guard passer. But he's been that for them this year. And they've really... They really have missed him. Uh, Well, he's been injured. Uh, hopefully he comes back very soon after the All-Star break so they don't miss him. So, I mean, I thought there was a little merit to these statements, but I don't think it was necessarily to the box score. Uh, for me, it was more so the way they play on the court um, and the way that they get their teammates involved, you know, like setting screens, stuff like that. It just does feel like a lot of the times they play iso ball, and it's something we've been clamoring for them to do less of this year. Um, so let's talk about this game against the Hawks. Uh, as we mentioned, Danilo Gallinari just absolutely destroyed the Celtics in this game for 38 points. Um, he shot, I think, like 10 of 12 from three. Like a ridiculous tick. He was 13 of 16 of the, from the entire field for this game. Uh, and this is the game Neesmith had his career high 13. So shout out Neesmith, garbage time. Good for you, man. Again, 20 assists in this game. Not a wicked high number. They need to get that number higher according to their stats. 36 rebounds was really low as well, even though Jeff Teague did have a pretty solid game, got himself to the line a good bit, I think, in this one. And just T- Jason Tatum just started a streak of horrible shooting in this game. Uh, 4 of 20 from the field. The Celtics were 25% from three-point land. Their defense was awful. I mean, how many threes does Danilo Gallinari have to hit? A guy that's not mobile, who just stands and shoots, how many threes does he have to hit before you go out and play him? And like you, you play him tight. Clearly, they were just too lazy, too tired to do that. Because if a guy like Gallinari is lighting you up like that, you have immense problems defensively or um, regarding your stamina and fatigue. 
So that was embarrassing at the very least in that sense. Um, I don't think there's really much to even talk about this game. They were just horrible all around. Um, so with that being said, let's move into some better news. Uh, wasn't great. Wasn't better news for Jason Tatum against the Pacers on Friday night. He shot four of eighteen. Uh, but in this game, we saw a lot better performances out of Kemba. I believe he had thirty-two points in this game. Daniel Theus dropped in a nice like twenty or twenty-one. Rob Williams and Jeff Teague again also had great games helping out the scoring because I believe Jalen Brown did not play in this game. Uh. Actually, that I am totally wrong about that. Jalen Brown did not play in the game against Sunday the against the Wizards. But um, regardless, Daniel Theus dropped 17. Brown had 15. Jason Tatum didn't even get to double digits, which was really bad. Um, but, I, again, Rob Williams had 14. Teague had 14. So this is a good all-around game um, for the Celtics. Um, they pretty much they won this pretty handily. There are a couple scares where they thought they were giving up a run to the Pacers to get them back in the game, and for a little while they were back in the game. Uh, but they closed it out well. Forty-five rebounds, solid number. Got that assist number up to twenty-four assists. I know it only sounds like four or five more assists, but I mean, when it when you, you see the stats, it just kind of translates to the way they move the ball um, and shot forty percent from three-point land. This was a much better game for them, even though Tatum struggled. But again, that's something you uh, you kind of just have to live with and hope that, it, you know, up and down, roller coaster, and that he kind of figures it out eventually and gets in a rhythm. So with that being said, then we go into Sunday where they played the Wizards. Uh, they were doing so well in this game, and then they weren't. Uh, they really gave up and blew out their lead. Um, Tatum, Theus, uh, even Javante Green and Kemba, all supplied good performances. Green was like four or five from the field. He played thirty three minutes in this game. Javante Green, he started. He got the start. Yeah, he got the nod because this was the game that Jalen Brown sat out. Um, this was a game you needed Tatum to be big in with no Jalen Brown, and you needed Kemba to support him as well. And they got that and and then some. Also with Daniel Theus, this is the game Theus had about twenty twenty plus points in. Uh, they were about thirty three percent from three. Kind of been noticing that trend. They were better in their wins. 33 is not great, but it's about average. 49 rebounds is very good. And 25 assists in this game. Another game that they won thanks to Tatum down the stretch. Oddly enough, um, excuse me, um, Bradley Beal was quoted after this game saying that it was some goofy-ass shit what happened at the end of the game. Uh, not sure if he was referring to possible referee mishappenings or... Him slipping. Uh, yeah, yeah, all of that. Um who knows, but clearly the Wizards were uh, a bit surprised at the ending of that game since they were in a position to win uh, several times thanks to Bradley Beal's like 46 points in that game. And Westbrook even chipped in a good shooting percentage. I believe Westbrook was something along the lines of 10 for 22. Uh, yeah, 10 for 22, Beal was 16 to 29. 29 shots. Yeah, that's that's insanity. I mean, they they took 84 shots in this game and Westbrook and Beal combined for 51. So that's kind of crazy. But if you think about it, they were some of the only people really shooting it uh, well. Bertans also was shooting pretty well, 55% for the field. He dropped in 20 points. Um, this was a game that was concerning. I mean, like I said, Tatum, Tatum won this game for him. The bench scoring, again, was not there in this game. The bench scoring was much more there in the Hawks and Pacers game. It was about 40 or 40-something against the Hawks uh, and 30-something against the Pacers. 26 bench points against the Wizards here. 
That's really bad. I mean, with the amount of guys that they played in this game, too, they, uh, let's, let's see, do some math. They went about 10 deep in this game, uh, even if you still include Grant Williams, six minutes. And so f- five guys off the bench get you 26 points. I don't know. It's, 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 not, it's not championship contending basketball, and that's for sure. So, I mean, overall, like, Neesmith, as we talked about, he was up and down, mostly down. His minutes just trended down the whole week. Tatum struggled to shoot, but he really bounced back well against the Wizards. Hopefully that continues. Kemba's been actually one of the bright spots of this past week. He's been shooting the ball much more efficiently from the field over this past week. Is Jeff Teague back, maybe, even? Uh, The two games he had. Um, And... You know, Peyton Pritchard's a guy who has been almost disappearing from this team as well. Him and Shemi Ojale have kind of just, you know, we talked a lot about Peyton Pritchard being a very solid contributor for this team early on in the season. And uh, in these past couple weeks, he's put in very subpar performances. I know you don't expect the guy to do a whole hell of a lot, but um, he's definitely a guy that they've had to lean on to do uh, some solid contributions, especially with Marcus Smart out. And uh, he's had some tough shooting per, uh, performances. I believe he's two of seven against the Mavs, uh, one of four another night. He's three and nine another night. So um, he's a guy that you definitely need to keep playing hard. I mean, he's going to be a guy who can move the ball around consistently, uh, but they they kind of need to do it more as a team and not just with him. Uh, Thompson, my guy TT, been a pretty consistent uh, contributions from TT. Time Lord, I think, should get more minutes. Uh, I am. I know Daniel Theus had a strong end of this week, but I think I think Robert Williams should get some more minutes, and I would really like to see the Celtics trade Daniel Theus and get him the hell out of here. Uh, I don't think he provides you that much. Um, I'd like to see him develop Time Lord definitely a little more. Uh, Grant Williams is fucking dead, and I, I'm not even going to go into that more. He he's just not he's he's getting DNP coach decisions. He's, he's dog water. He is awful. Um. And, and like I said before, the team really needs Marcus Smart back. Nothing to do with Grant Williams, but just kind of like a, an ending note um, to this whole list I got here. Uh, Marcus Smart needs... They, like they, he, I don't think he's the, the be-all, end-all solution, but I think he's a part of it. So what do you, what do you think? What any thoughts about um, everything that I just kind of rolled through? I think Kem is... The arrow is pointing up a little bit. I mean, I I need to see it more of like a sample size. Like I I still fear the New Orleans four of twenty, the one of twelve three game is still out there. They got some big games coming up. Like tomorrow they play the Clippers. That's a big game. Uh, after the break they play Brooklyn, which is a what's right out the break. So we'll see. Kemba's gonna have all that rest that he's been clamoring to get for a week plus. So hopefully he'll uh. He'll get it going, but I mean the team still. I mean the the Indiana win was nice, but they should have lost yesterday to a not like a semi surging, but still not a very good Wizards team. So I mean, I still don't have that much faith in them. They they're gonna get Smart back, which is good. They might get Langford back, maybe for a game before he gets hurt again and misses the rest of the year. But they still need to make a move, and I mean they're just kind of. They went two and two the last week. They're seventeen and seventeen now. That's just that's just what they are. They're they're like a five hundred team. 
So you'll win some and you'll lose some. And until they make a statement and they win five straight or lose five straight, this team is like without a direction right now. I would describe it as in a state of flux. Yeah, yeah. they're like they're like plateauing. They need to either decide if they're going to go up the mountain or down the cliff. Yeah, start the tank or yeah. start the climb. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned they got some big games ahead. They play tomorrow night against the Clippers. That's the big game on TNT. And then they face Toronto on yeah, Thursday. I think that game's gonna might get canceled. I, I, you beat me too. I was just gonna say there's a chance with uh, all the COVID problems Toronto, in Toronto that it could get canceled. Even if it doesn't get canceled, that's good for the Celtics because Siakam won't be playing. Because one, Siakam won't be playing. Two, the Raptors were supposed to play tomorrow night and they canceled that and they pushed it to Wednesday, one more day. So if they do play on Thursday, the Celtics will be getting Toronto shorthanded I'm and on the that. second night, which yep. would be a big boost for them i could see them just dogging it going they you have the all-star break looking ahead for that i that could be an easy win for the celtics i would hope uh in that scenario playing toronto shorthanded in on a second night i agree i mean i feel i would i would hope for the celtics sake that they do play that game but i don't i would agree yeah i I would like them to because the situation like we said it favors them but uh, again, we'll have to see what happens with Toronto and uh, how the NBA handles their situation. But, again, this is another, uh, I guess we'll call it a week, but there's only two games left before the All-Star break. We'll be talking to you pretty much after the All-Star game. Um, so we only got these two games on the docket before we talk to you next Monday. Uh, I Again, we talk about what we want to see. And from this point on, it's it's pretty much just going to be wins, 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 wins. Um, but... Even more so, they need to pick a direction because look, if like we said, uh, if they're gonna tank, they gotta decide it. I'm, I'm as much as I don't, I'd rather them not tank. I'd rather no because I'd rather just start rooting for the tank. So, this game against the Clippers would be a humongous win, um, as long as everybody is still playing for the Clippers, nobody's sitting out or for whatever reason. Uh, this is a big game for them, so they need to bring their best. Hopefully, everybody's healthy for the Celtics. And they bring out the dub of that one. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it unless you have anything else to add in to the discussion. Um, they play two games between now and the All- and I guess hypothetically our next episode next Monday. Yep. Uh, they got to go 2-0. Yep. Yeah. I think it's wins. Big game tomorrow. Big game tomorrow. Yeah. Agree. All right. Well, that's going to do it here for the Cool Zone Pod. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the Cool Zone Pod. Uh, be sure to follow us on Spotify. We announced last week all of our podcasts are going to be dropping on Spotify for all the Spotify listeners in the chat. Um, be sure to hit us up there. Subscribe on iTunes if that's where you listen as well. We'll still be on iTunes as well. Shout out to DS for doing all the great work for us and getting our podcast up nice and quick last week. Let's see if he does it this week. Um, be sure to follow Fix and Talk Sports with Ryan. He just put out a new solo pod recapping some pro wrestling recently. So give that a look. And, uh, you know, if the Fox profiles ever decide to come back, go ahead and follow them. But for now, I can't really tell you to follow them because it's not like you're getting content. So, but if they come back, we'll let you know and be sure to follow them. And we'll hopefully we'll see more mouth and off sports podcasts as well. Um, and until next Monday, DS, it's that time. Hit our music, kid.